Hi there, and welcome to the Engage Employee Podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organisations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The cultural and commercial benefits of organisations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. In this episode, we sit down with Nicola Liss, Senior Organisational Development and Inclusion Manager at the Zoological Society of London. Nicola's background includes education, early careers, learning and development, diversity and inclusion, and organisational development. Experience acquired over the years has involved culture change, leadership development, talent management and well-being strategy, with a focus on diversity and inclusions over the last two years. We speak to Nicola about what it's like to work at the Zoological Society of London and more about recent projects and future plans. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Uh, right, okay, so can you just introduce yourself to us, please, Nicola, and tell us um, a little bit about your role, your pathway to your current role, and a little bit about the Zoological Society of London. Okay, so uh, my name is Nicola Liss. I'm the, um, as you said, Senior OD and Inclusion Manager um, at ZSL. So uh, I started my journey in education, uh, spent quite a few years in education, uh, working in a very, very diverse um, uh, workforce. What, as a teacher? Uh, no, um, managing learning programmes. Okay. So we were working with employers, um, kind of providing learning programmes, management programmes right. mainly for them. Yeah. Um, so spent many years providing learning and then kind of changed over to um, the employer side of things. So uh, started working for Tate Gallery, which oh, was really cool. interesting. Mm. Um, and then went on to work for Zoological Society of London. Uh, the interesting thing was in education, uh, it was a kind of a local job to where I, I'm kind of just outside of London. Um, and that was hugely, hugely diverse. Uh, and it was only really when I started to come into central London, or London, that the diversity disappeared. Uh, which is mad. So oh, um, you wouldn't expect that, would you? Exactly. So uh, it was more about the uh, the employers and and the brands, and 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 we'll come on to that shortly. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I work. I've worked at ZSL for about the last five and, what and a half ZSL, years. What does ZSL? What do you do? Uh, what do I do? No, or what, what does what, the company? Well, yeah, what so, does the company do? Uh, so it's a conservation charity. Right. Uh, it's a worldwide conservation charity. Yeah. Um, so we've got a huge conservation piece. We've got a huge science and research mm. arm. Um, and then we've got, as some of you will hopefully know, we've got London Zoo, um, and then we've got Whitsnade Zoo as well. So we've got the two kind of tourist attractions. So as how well. many people are we talking about in terms of employees? We've got about 800 staff. Um, around 600 are UK-based, mm. and the rest are overseas working out in the fields. Brilliant. Okay. So how important do you think DNI is in terms of talent recruitment and retention? Uh, in terms of uh, talent and recruitment, so D&I, we've done a huge amount of work on this recently. Um, for me, it's about, especially working in non-diverse um, organisations for the last maybe 10 years, yeah. 
Um, it's about really getting that that kind of diversity of thought into the organisation. Actually, diversity is not just about what you would normally think. Diversity is no. on all levels, isn't it? Including ideas. Exactly, and that's been one of the key things at ZSL is to kind of raise awareness and education around we're not just talking about diversity because morally it's it's what we should be doing. <laughs> It's about what we what that brings to the organisation. Mm. So that that's been a huge piece of work. Brilliant. Okay. And so once you established the diversity and inclusion group, how long has that been going? So the group um, I lead the group, and we we started about two and a half years ago. Um, we um, approached people from across the organisation. Mm. It was really important that. Um, we chose people, uh, or we encouraged people to, to apply f to, to be part of the group that mm. could influence across the mm -hmm. organisation. Um, we tried to shift away, and we're still working on this, but we tried to shift away from it being a HR or an OD thing. Yeah, we've had thing. this, it's been a recurring theme today. And I'm sure it has, yeah, I'm sure yeah. it has. Uh, there's plenty of work to do, but, mm. we're, but we're getting there. So we selected people from across the organisation and people that we felt could really influence um, other people um, within their kind of directorates. So was it voluntary or did you actually go out and seek people actively or was it a combination of the two? It was a combination of the two, yeah. And did you find you were knocking on an open door? Um, yes, yes. Uh, I think people were really keen actually and, and uh, really willing to, to give up their time. You know, everyone's really busy. They were really, really keen to join the group. I think the issues come later on where people have really busy jobs and it's a kind of add-on to, to yeah. what they do. So um, mm -hmm. that's where I've experienced probably the issues from members of the group is kind of keeping them really engaged in the cause yeah. Um, yeah. And, and offering them development themselves, you know, so that, that there's a, a good reason to continue to be committed to, to this group, yeah. really. Yeah. And so how did you go about actually taking your DNI agenda forward? So um, the first thing we did was to, to work with our executive team to make sure that they were kind of brought into to the process. And, and we did that in, in uh, a way that we created five key action plans, um, really comprehensive action plans. So that was in leadership, accessibility, diversifying the workforce, um, and inclusion and belonging. Mm. And what we did is we made, um, or we suggested, encouraged uh, each member of the executive team to actually lead on one of those key themes. Uh, and that was really important for us because it meant that, it, again, it wasn't a HR thing or a DNI group yeah. thing. It was executive team led, um, and they would be held accountable for for those key areas. So and kind of and modelling as well? Yes, and that's very much part of the action plans was to, to role model yeah. those. Interestingly, that's that's maybe been the trickiest part of yes. this for, for the executive team um, and I guess that's one of the key things for me, the key learning from, from the process is that you've got a, a kind of executive, executive team that are real experts within their field um, yeah. and then we're saying well, all of a sudden well actually we need you to role model diversity and inclusion as well so yeah what does that mean yeah what does that mean in, what does that mean in practice yeah and and so what first of all initially seemed like a bit of resistance it, mm. it, you know when you dig down it wasn't resistance it was just that they've gone from being this kind of hugely highly respected expert mm. to, to then having to lead on something that that's a bit out of their it's comfort zone. It's quite a zone. vulnerable state for them to be in, isn't yes, it? Yes, very much How did so. you help them through that? So the main thing was through, and this is something I quickly learned, um, so was to coach them. So, um, and I would recommend that for, for um, you know, anyone really, is to really have that coaching relationship because 
you need them you need to be able to give them the space to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and say well actually I don't really know what I'm supposed to be saying or how I can role model these behaviors yeah. so yeah. very much a coaching relationship with with the the um, executive team and that's that's seen really really positive results good good and they uh, you feel like they're, they're genuinely coming to the table now and they are, they are. They, you know, they're coming to me and they're suggesting things right. and, and you know, they're supporting the programme you know, all the way. It's, it's a kind of standard item on agendas. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's up there in, in their, it's in the business strategy now. Uh, so, yes. Brilliant. And how long, what's, what, what kind of time period can people expect them from beginning this kind of initiative to that state you're now in where your senior leaders are seeing it as kind of an organic part of their role? Okay, well, we're only just getting there, yeah. um, and there is still work to be done. But, but I would say it's it's been around two years. Um, if I was to use an example of of a kind of program that we've um, that we've implemented around recruitment, actually, which mm. has probably had the most impact, um, is I led on a trailblazer group to um, write an apprenticeship in zookeeping. Um, so we worked with, with zoos and wildlife parks across the country, about 26 other employers. But the reason I um, wanted to create an apprenticeship for zookeeping, mm. not that I know anything about zookeeping, by the way, um, but was because um, when I joined ZSO, I noticed that actually their recruitment processes meant that accessibility to the entry-level roles was, was terrible. You know, people just couldn't get in. So, What were the barriers to that? It was a, a kind of an establishment that, that has a choice of who they want. So they were, okay. they were getting people that were overqualified, mm. um, had years of experience. 90% of our keepers had a degree or a master's. Um, and yes, yeah, so, so, and that's an entry level role. So who knew? I know, I know. So I, I said, let's create an apprenticeship. Yes. So um, worked with some real expert, animal experts, created mm. an apprenticeship. This was about probably three and a half years ago that journey began. Yeah. So three and a half years later, I'm just starting to see the positive impact. Yeah. And, and we've now got, through the apprenticeship programme, we've got 80% of our um, apprentices or our you know, keeper roles, 80% don't have a degree uh, and only 20% do. So it's a massive shift, but more than that, the impact on the culture and, and the mindset has been huge. Um, and that's through through this apprenticeship program. So I think these things take a long time, but actually the impact is, is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And so how did you go? How, so you develop your your, um, your apprenticeship, <coughs> and then how did you actually go about the process of broadening out those opportunities for people to come and be recruited onto them? So um, it was a huge amount of work with the managers mm. of, of across both zoos, um, kind of educating them around why I want to do it getting them involved in the learning process. So create it, we did a load of train the trainer um, development. So we really got them engaged in that process. And then we worked with local um, partners, so colleges. Uh, we started advertising differently. Um, we've just revised our work for us page so that it's, you know, it's more appealing to a wider audience because we were just recruiting like for like um, previously. So. It, it was about reaching out to, to different local colleges and those kinds of things. And it's so lovely that you've been able to prove to senior leadership the benefit of broadening out um, your, your 
potential um, yes. groups. Yeah. Okay, so you talk, you kind of touched a little bit on some of the challenges you experienced with senior managers around your DNI agenda. Mm -hmm. um, what other challenges or barriers have you come up against with regards to senior managers? Uh, with senior managers, the, the main thing was was the experience, but also um, or their sorry their their kind of experience of yeah. DNI in the first place. But also, I think. Um, one of, the, one of the challenges was around the data. So um, we worked really hard to, to make sure that we had the data in place because actually, the, shockingly, the data wasn't in place um, in the beginning. So once we had the data, um, I then um, implemented a process where every quarter now we provide that data to the executive um, team for them to kind of work with. So that data shows them who's applying for their jobs in their directorate, yep. um, who's been shortlisted in terms of you know, demographics, um, and who's kind of getting those jobs. Mm. And so it's there, the evidence is there for them to see, and, and that's on a quarterly basis. And, and that's, because um, it is the accountability piece. It, it was, okay, well, your HR or OD mm. said, that's what you do, mm. and actually, no, this is what you do. Absolutely. So um, that's really helped in terms of creating that kind of accountability across the executive team. We now ask our HR business partners to work really closely with them um, so that every quarter that data comes through and everyone can see each other's data, mm -hmm. and then we, we kind of um, publish it on the, the intranet, so everyone... So it's utterly transparent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then the HRBPs work really closely with them to say, right, okay, well, what do we need to do differently in terms of our recruitment? Where are we advertising? What job design aspects do we mm. need to look at? Um, and all those sorts of things. And that's really, really helped. So it's good. So you're constantly, uh, you're constantly refining, <coughs> learning, yes. refining, adjusting. Yeah. So kind of, kind of quite an agile mindset to the way you're approaching it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, okay, so obviously the past couple of years has been a, a roller coaster. Um, what have you learned from working on DNI at, at ZSL over the last couple of years? And is there anything kind of retrospectively with hindsight that you do differently? Okay, I've, I've learned a huge amount. Um, it's, been a, and it's been a massive journey. Um, I recently carried out some research as part of a project on racial diversity in the workplace. Mm. Um, and I uh, carried out this research across the organisation and purposely kind of selected people from, you know, uh, a diverse kind of uh, backgrounds, um, well, just all different backgrounds. Mm. Um, and the feedback was hugely, hugely um, insightful in, into how people are responding to, to the whole DNI agenda in, in the organisation. So, for example, we've had people that have been there 30, 40 years. They're completely, you know, devoted to, yes. to looking after animals and very, very passionate. And again, it was similar at Tate. You know, you've mm. got that passion. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But actually, what was really, for me, quite insightful was that not really appreciating as much that some of those people that have been there for years were all of a sudden, well, why do we need to diversify? What's wrong with us? <laughs> you know, why, why do we need to change? And why are you looking for other talent when, when we're here? Um, and it was really very open and honest oh. feedback. And, and it just made me step back a bit and think, okay, well, we need to be, we, you know, the whole piece around inclusion oh. 
is to be inclusive across the board. So, and it kind of showed that we need to do more around raising the awareness and education. Yeah. What did you? How did you? How did you answer those concerns then? How did you address them? Well, I've only just got the feedback. Oh, so right. that's, that's watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going to you form. Come yeah. back next year and tell us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And is there anything that you do differently over the past two years? If you could have your time over it again. Uh, yes, I, I thought about this, and I think mm. um, to really prepare the HR team would have been, um, you know, before kind of doing all of this or much earlier on, I think. So I think sometimes it's assumed that HR um, are, you know, kind of the experts in, in this field, um, but we're all learning, yeah. actually. Um, you know, we, we are all learning. So we've, we've invested in a lot of um, development for our HR team. Um, and I think I would have done that earlier on just to give them the confidence, particularly when they're speaking and pushing back and challenging uh, the executive team on recruitment processes and things yeah, like that. Yeah, because they're sometimes really difficult conversations to have, aren't they? Yes, yes they are. You yeah. need to have that kind of level. Well, we've talked a lot about psychological safety yes. today, and you need to kind of continue to create those psychologically safe spaces for everyone, yeah. from the leadership right across the organisation yes. to make people feel comfortable enough to be yeah. vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You were saying earlier, you know, about very difficult for some senior leaders to kind of show that level of vulnerability yeah. to be your experts to admit I'm not expert in anything it's really really difficult mm. kind of mindset shift for them isn't it yeah um, so kind of looking to the future what's next for DNI um, at ZSL so at talent I, I feel uh, well, that the development will, will continue so it'll be a lot around recruitment without bias mm -hmm. um, you know those interviews do you do blind CVs we do now yeah. um, as part of the last kind of a couple of years action plans yeah. so um, we're looking at job design um, adverts, job descriptions, those kinds of things. Yeah. But um, lots more, we, we do a whole Real Talk program where um, we have people from the organisation, members of staff or volunteers that talk about very kind of personal um, topics. Yeah, we've had a lot of that today, haven't we? We've yeah. had a lot of very personal stories Yeah, and that's, that's been very, very impactful. So but, powerful. But I think for us it's about diversity in the senior management kind of... Level. Yes. What's uh, your diversity like amongst your senior leaders? It's poor. Mm. <laughs> but do you know what? That's probably reflected in almost every single boardroom across the land, yes. I think. And I work with a lot of organisations. And I have to say, whenever I look at their board, I don't know what everyone else feels, but they are definitely of a similar type of person. And yes. I don't know what, I don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a problem that actually still needs to be solved, isn't it? It is. I now have some evidence that, that the, um, our staff feel that that's where we should focus. So from the research that mm. I did, getting that feedback, I've now got the evidence to say to our executive team, this is our issue and this should be one of our priorities. So yeah. that's been really useful yeah. because they might argue with me, but they won't, sorry, they won't argue with, um, the rest of the, you know, the, the workforce. Yeah, so. yeah, you know, I think it's, a, it's about doing as much as you can do, isn't it? And just kind of pushing the agenda slowly whilst, you know, making sure you're forwarding the cause the, the, whole, the whole time. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, I think we are done and that's been okay. brilliant. It's been so lovely to okay. meet you and to talk to you and good luck with everything. Thank you very much. Um, thank you, Nicola. Thank Liss. you.